The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and today. 1966, part two, June through July. June, the Beatles off to Germany. three-day series of concerts. Due to their hectic recording schedule, the tour song set list comprised mainly of the 1965 tour set list. Neil Aspinall explains. I just think that uh, with Revolver, they, they just never, you know, practiced any of their numbers to do on stage. Once again, George Harrison. In those days, there was no technology like there is now. I mean... There was two guitars, bass and drums, and that was it. If we did stuff in the studio with the aid of um, recording tricks, then we couldn't just reproduce them on stage. Like nowadays you could, you could do Tomorrow Never Knows, have all the loops up there on a keyboard, kind of emulate the stuff, and you could have as many piano players and drummers and you know, orchestras, whatever you wanted. But in those days, that's it. We were just a little dance hall band and we never really thought of augmenting ourselves. On June 24th, the Beatles started their world tour. Their first stop was Munich, West Germany, where they performed two shows at the Circus Krone Bau. The shows were dubbed Bravo Brits Tourney, sponsored by the country's entertainment magazine Bravo. Hello, lieber Bravo, Freunde. Here spricht George Harrison. Wir Beatles haben uns alle sehr gefreut, dass ihr uns zur beliebtesten Beatgruppe gewählt habt. Wir sind sehr stolz auf unseren Bravo Otto und dass wir in Deutschland so viele Freunde haben. Besonders, weil wir haben so viele schöne Erinnerungen an good old Germany. John Paul und Ringo haben mich gebeten in Ihren Namen zu sagen. Thank you very, very much. Von ganzem Herzen Dankeschön. Und alles Gute allen unseren Fans und besonders allen Bravo-Lesern. Euer George Harrison. Die 
Jeder hatte ausreichend Gelegenheit, die ersten mühevollen Schritte auf deutschem Boden festzuhalten. Und wen es danach drängte, der durfte Joan, Ringo, George und Paul wirklich nahe sein. On June 25th, the Beatles traveled from Munich to Essen in a special train which a year previously had been utilized by Queen Elizabeth II during her royal visit to West Germany. George Harrison recalls. And then we got on a train and the train was the royal train or they'd said this is the train was used when the royal party toured Germany and it was a very nice train we all had our own little compartment with marble bathtubs and you know just really luxuriously decorated they gave two shows at the Gruger Hall we'd like to sing another number hey all right this is another song this and this song's called Nowhere Man in Eve. 
then returned immediately to the station to continue their railway journey to Hamburg. On June 26th, the Beatles train pulled into the central station in Hamburg. It was the first time any member of the group had set foot in the city since January 1st, 1962. Then we arrived in Hamburg. For the tumultuous welcome in Hamburg, the force of 500 police have to use water cannons to control the fans. which had a good and bad feeling for me because it was um, the good side of it was that we were coming back to play, you know, after all this fame and fortune when we'd only been there as like, um, you know, working our way up there, playing in these, these dirty nightclubs. The bad bit was there was a lot of ghosts that reappeared out of the woodwork that, you know, maybe some people that you didn't necessarily want to see again who were, you know, you'd been your best friend one drunken preludin night back in 1960. I wasn't there in 1962. Only in Aspinall. Right, I'd, uh, so it was really the first time for me and there was all these uh, Germans that had been in uh, the Reaper Barn and all those clubs like Bettina who'd worked behind the bar or in the cloakroom, which Bettina, I think, was the one they used to give everybody praladin. Oh, the Beatles kenne ich schon sehr lange. Und das erste Mal war es in der Indra, hier in der Großen Freiheit. Das ist hier, oh mein Gott. Six. You know, people like that were there, like old friends of theirs that I didn't really know from Hamburg. 
26. Juni 1966. Nach dreieinhalb Jahren kehren die Beatles nach Hamburg zurück. George, John, Paul. Hunderte von Journalisten verfolgten jeden Beatles Schritt und Tritt und stellten auf Pressekonferenzen Fragen wie John, I understand there's a suit pending against the Beatles by Peter Best, who claims to be a former member of the Beatles. Is that true? Was he once a former? Uh, I think he's had a few, but we don't bother with those. John, stimmt es, dass du faul bist? Ja, ich habe schwer daran gearbeitet, es zu werden. George, nein, ich trage im Winter keine langen Unterhosen. John, man sagt, sie hätten Teile aus ihrem Buch gestohlen. Das ist richtig. Warum nicht? After the press conference, the group performed two concerts in the city of Hamburg. Supporting acts for West Germany were Cliff Bennett and the Rebel Rousers, the Rattles, and Peter and Gordon. Let's do, let's do lead for this man.
Yeah, what are you So, so um, to everybody, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, and um, thank you, Sean. Vielen Dank. Und Wiedersehen. Yes. After the concerts, John and Paul managed to sneak out and take a nostalgic midnight stroll down the Reaper Bomb. You tell me that you've got everything you want And your bird can sing but you don't get me You don't get me Start to weigh down Look in my direction I'll be round I'll be round You tell me that you've heard You don't get me You 
I think the next day after the Hamburg concert, we were driven straight out of the concert, out of Hamburg to a Schloss, which is a castle, or, a, you know, that kind of thing, a castellated big hotel. And uh, we stayed the night there. The Beatles flew back to London Airport on June 27th, and a few hours later... Then we were taken and put on the plane to go to Tokyo. Because of a typhoon warning, however, their plane was forced to take a unscheduled nine-hour stop in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm only sleeping, take one. Please don't wake me now 
The Beatles' tour entourage landed at Haneda Airport, Tokyo at 3.40 a.m. on June 30th. driven to the Hilton Hotel for a brief rest before a scheduled press conference. Thousands of police were assigned to guard them following threats on their lives if they played the sacred Budokan Hall. Everywhere we were going in these days, it was... George Harrison recalls. A demonstration of one thing or another. It was, you know, riots were happening, Plus, people were demonstrating because the Budokan was supposed to be a special spiritual hall and only reserved for uh, for martial arts and stuff. They were picketing because it was like the the holy wrestlers played there, <laughs> and they they didn't like us. But you know, in any town we went to, someone always had a grievance. You know, something was wrong. Some Japanese say that your performances will violate the Budokan, which is devoted to traditional Japanese martial arts, and that you set a bad example for Japanese youth by leading them astray from traditional Japanese values. What do you think of all that? It's, uh, you know... Just a minute, let me give oh, that in Japanese first, huh? Yeah. Uh, the thing is that if somebody from Japan, if a dancing troupe from Japan goes to Britain, nobody tries to say in Britain that they're violating the traditional laws, you know, or that they're trying to spoil anything. All we're doing is coming here and singing because we've been asked to. And it's we're better not to watch to... singing than wrestling anyway. Yeah. 
but we're not trying to violate anything, and we're just as traditional anyway. Now, here is a terrific question. You have attained sufficient honor and wealth, period. Are you happy? Have we? Yes. And what do you seek next? Peace. What do you think the differences are between Japanese fans of yours and teenagers elsewhere in the world? I think the only difference with fans anywhere is that they speak different languages, that's all. That's the only difference. And they're smaller here. The Japanese are smaller? Yeah. They're smaller. The hostesses weren't small. They are. Everyone's smaller here. I believe I have the, the, the lettering right. Is this the MB medal? Yeah. MBE medal, I'm sorry. The MBE medal. Now, did you bring it with you? Yes. On what occasions do you wear the medal? We don't. No. We've never worn it yet. And uh, other musicians have received this medal? Yes. Uh, Peter Sellers? <laughs> now, uh, this question is very technical. I don't know how to translate it. But when you receive a medal, you usually have a medal, and you have an abbreviated form of the thing that you wear daily. What, do you, what is the professional word for that? There's, there's a small um, buttonhole thing. Yeah, what do you call that? It's, um, I don't know, buttonhole thing. Like a ribbon? <laughs> Miniature. Miniature, that's it. <coughs> Jesus. All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Miniature. No, but we didn't get those. We didn't no, no, get no. it. No. You've got to buy those. Oh, you have to buy those. You have to buy those. Can't afford it. No, the question is, uh, the one you show were the real ones, right? Now, why don't you wear them? Why well, should we? <coughs> afraid of losing them. People, people who wear their medals anyway are only showing off that they've got medals. And so, you know, if you've got them, there's no need to show them off. I don't think so, anyway. The gentleman asking the question has read an article saying that an old Englishman, you know the type, the Yorkshire type, the old Englishman once said uh, that two things he does not like in England at the present moment, Rolls-Royce changing its model and the Beatles receiving a medal. Yeah. Now, what do you have to say but for we that? We don't like old men in England. We don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but we tolerate the old people, whereas they don't tolerate us. How much of a knowledge or how much interest do you take in the war that is going on in Vietnam now? Well, we think about it every day and we don't agree with it. And we think it's wrong. That's how much interest we take. That's... それでは本日の記者会見をこれで終了させていただきます大変記者の方それからカメラマンの方ご協力をいただきましてありがとうございましたそれではこれで終了でございます The group then was driven to the Budokan Hall As we went to the gig, Paul McCartney, they had the fans organized with police uh, patrols on each corner. So there weren't fans just haphazardly waving along the streets. Any had been gathered up and, you know, herded onto a corner and they were allowed to wave from there. So you'd go along the street and there'd be a little eek, and you'd go a few more hundred yards, eek. And as we went to the Budokan, 
we were probably more amazed to see the, we the women leaping up out of their seats for the promoter, because we'd never seen that, you know, in the West. The subservience of the women. They'd be, oh God, I'm sorry, was I in your seat? The band was scheduled for the first of five shows at the Budokan on the evening of June 30th.皆様こんにちは。ようこそおいでいただきましてありがとうございます。司会の家チェリックでございます。えさて、ファン待望のビートルズ公演でございまして、ビートルズのファンの方たくさんお勢いいらっしゃるかと思います。それからまたこれからビ
very strange the audience were very nice I mean they all reserved but they were up on their feet or they tried to be but in those days you know there was police all around the stadium with telephoto lenses and anybody who stood up and looked like they were going to um, you know run towards the stage or something they took a photograph of them so the the people there were very restricted in what they could do and how they could respond to us but it, it was a warm reception it was very nice but uh, a bit clinical. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, hello. We'd like to. We'd like to carry on with a song, which is of our last LP. The LP is called Brother Soul, and the song, which is sung by guitarist George, is called If I Needed Someone. Yeah. 
July 1st. The Beatles are scheduled for two concerts on this day, and another two on July 2nd. The group is woken up to another press conference. Hello, Eric. Welcome to Well, uh, I'll be the MC for your show at, uh... Well, I have a few questions here. You have a good sleep? Yes, yes. Fine. Uh, did you have any knowledge about uh, Japan before coming here? A little. Uh, yes, a little bit. You know, not much, though. Not, not much. as much as we know about most places we go to. I think. Uh, are you planning to do anything apart from uh, your performances uh, in Tokyo, outside this hotel? Well, we, we're not planning anything, but we'd uh, like to see Tokyo, you know. We weren't allowed out of the room. We were locked up in the hotel for a long time with various merchants coming around and showing us ivory and stuff like this, you know, because people go to Tokyo and do shopping. We couldn't really get out the hotel. I once tried to get out, um, but a sort of policeman came running after me. I did actually do it. Paul and maybe Ringo, they got out and one day and got in a taxi and the police caught them somewhere and made them go back to the hotel. The Beatles road manager Neil Aspinall recalls. But John and I actually got out, right, and uh, made it down to the local market, right, and it was great, you know, we were... Um, looking at things and buying things and then uh, the police came and got us and said <laughs> naughty boys that was it we were only allowed out at the time for the concert when it was worked out like a military maneuver you know at at uh, 5 30 precisely we will knock on your door which was on the schedule as exact time then they said you will now line up outside the room at 5 32 we will leave the door we will now walk to the lift 5.33, we will be at the elevator. The elevator takes like, you know, a minute eight to get down. 5.35, we'll be down in the car park. And they said, you will get in car with Mr. Evans. Then they had the seating arranged in all the cars. It was like amazing efficiency we'd never seen the like of in Britain. Just to be how we were, they would knock on the door and we would not never come out. <laughs> it would just totally wreck their timings. And you'd see all these guys, it's absolutely balmy as we hadn't walked down the corridor at 7.14 or a third, you know, it's just... But we knew we were doing that to them. Thank you very much, everybody, and uh, Domo, Domo, that's what they say. We'd like to sing the song, which is our new record here in Tokyo, Japan, Tokyo. And this song is one which we hope you're going to sort of join in with and swing along a bit. This one's called Paperback Writer.
Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, yes, thank you. Well, this this next song now uh, will have to be our last song for this afternoon. And so, before we go, we'd like to say to everybody, thank you for coming. Thank you very much, and we hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, so, as we say, in Rumcom, Sayonara. You tell lies, nigga, and I can't see. to Manila in the Philippines. The Beatles departed for the Philippines on July 3rd. We got on the plane, went to the Philippines, and as soon as we got there, it was bad, bad news. It was a negative, very negative vibe the moment we got off the plane. So we, we were kind of like a bit frightened. We got in this car, not even with Neil. The guy just drove off with us four, and our bags were on the, um, the runway. They left them on the runway. Those little briefcases had the marijuana in them, right? So uh, I had to, uh, while, well, the, while the confusion was going on and all this, I just sort of put them in the boot of the limo I was going to be in, right? And just said, take me to where you've taken the Beatles. I was thinking, God, you know, this is it. We're going to get busted. And they took us away and drove us down to the Manila Harbor and put us on a boat, took us out to this kind of motor yacht that was anchored out in the harbour. <laughs> they put us in this room, it was really humid. You know, it was like Mosquito City. 
and we were all sweating and we were all frightened and we were cut off for the first time ever in our um, Beatle existence from, you know, Neil, Mal, Brian Epstein, whoever, there was not one of them. And not only that, but we had a whole line of cops with guns lining the deck around this cabin of this large room that we were in on the boat. And we were really gloomy. We were brought down by the whole thing. We just felt, wish we hadn't come here. We should have missed it out. I never really understood that. I never really understood why they got put on this boat. Hmm? No idea, just, I still don't know to this day. So what happened then was, it could have been an hour or two hours later, I just remember Brian Epstein really flustered. And he must have been with, was it maybe the uh, Philippine promoter or somebody, agent or something. And he was like yelling and shouting and he appeared on the scene and then there was all yelling going on and then they took us back off the boat, put us back in a car and drove us to a hotel suite. They played two shows at the Ritzel Memorial Football Stadium. did a, a concert. The concert again had a big problem because Brian Epstein had made a contract for a stadium or, or a situation of so many people, I don't know how many thousand people, maybe uh, you know, two, or two to five thousand people, something like that. When we got there it was like the Monterey Pop Festival. I mean it was just millions. There was 200,000 people in that site. Their largest audience ever. And somebody was thinking, well, this promoter is probably making a bit on the side out of this. Yeah. 
After performing for a crowd estimated at an excess of 100,000 people. The following day, riots raged in the city when the Beatles supposedly snubbed the president's wife by not showing up at a reception at the palace. Vic Lewis, who set up the tour, told Brian Epstein about the dilemma. Somebody said that we're supposed to be at a garden party. I know nothing about it, and I'm sure you don't. Of course, he said he didn't. And he said, we're not going. So I said, no, wait a minute. I don't think we ought to say we're not going. I said, we're in a foreign country. And um, I think we ought to think about it. So Brian, in the way that he was, turned around and said, I'm not thinking about it. As far as I'm concerned, we received no official invitation from the palace or from the president. And as such, I'm not going to have the boys go around there. Ringo Starr. I didn't know, personally, I didn't know anything about that Madame Marcus had invited us to dinner. And we'd said no. We said, it is indeed a great honor, but it's our day off, so we can't go. And we're very firm about that, because we don't get many days off. We're not stuffing in some sort of royal reception, you know, uh, screwing it up with that. So the day got closer and closer, and the words were coming back, they really want you to come, and we said no. And it became a point of principle. So we just stuck, we had to stick to it once we got that far into it. Philippine citizens and government officials took it as a presidential insult. John and I were sharing a room after the gig, and then we woke up in the morning, and we phoned down for breakfast and the newspapers, because we always like to read about ourselves. I thought, yeah, can we have, you know, egg and bacon, whatever we were eating in those days, and the newspapers, all the newspapers, you know, yes. We were just hanging out in our beds, uh, chatting, you know, doing whatever we were doing, and uh, time went by, so we called down again. Excuse me, you know, can we have the breakfast, blah de blah Still nothing happened, and so we put the TV on. <laughs> and there was this horrific TV show of Madame Marcus screaming, you know, they've let me down. <laughs> and uh, all these shots of the cameraman took the camera onto, like, these empty plates and up into these little kids' faces all crying because the Beatles hadn't turned up. And the TV commentators saying, and they're still not here yet, and... You know, the Beatles are, you know, supposed to be here. And we sat there in amazement, couldn't believe it. And we just watched ourselves not arriving at the, at the presidential palace. I don't recall much of what happened after that until the newspapers arrived and the TV news and everything. It was Beatles snub first family. That's how they decided to present it, they didn't, nobody ever said, well, they were never asked, which we weren't. You know, we, we very nicely uh, said no to the invitation. <laughs> and uh, so then things started to get really weird, uh, you know, come on, get out of bed, get packed, we're getting out of here. As we started to get to the car, we really had no help. And we got downstairs like one motorbike. You know, after this huge motorcade brought us in, uh, there was just this one guy. And we get to the airport and there's chanting, people hating us all the way. And uh, we get to the airport and they just start spitting at us, spitting on us and, you know, and there's the famous story of John and I hiding behind these nuns because <laughs> we thought it's a Catholic country, they won't beat up the nuns. They didn't sort of protect us, so they just stood there looking a bit bemused, but you know, whenever they sort of moved, we just sort of moved <laughs> the other side of them and that. And then we got on the plane, which was a British Airways, we were all kissing the seats and everything, you know, this is Britain, little piece of Britain. <laughs> I was feeling like that, you know, you were definitely in a foreign country with all the rules had changed and they did carry guns after all, so you know, you weren't too sort of gung-ho about it all. And then one of our guys, an announcement came over. Saying, well, Mr. Epstein and Mr. Evans and Mr. Barrow, that was Tony Barrow, I believe, was 
he was our press agent at the time, will, will they get off the plane? And Mal, who was the nicest, gentlest person, he's a big guy, but he was really sweet, he went past me on the, down the aisle of the plane to get off, and he was breaking out in tears, and he turned to me and he said, tell Lil I love her, <laughs> that's his wife. Because he thought that was it, you know. I mean, the plane was going to go and he was going to be stuck in Manila. And uh, anyway, we sat there again for, it seemed like a couple of hours. It was probably 30 minutes, maybe an hour. And they got back on the plane and then the plane was allowed to leave. Apparently they took the money off Brian Epstein that we'd earned at the concert. And that was it. We got out of there and it was such a relief, but I felt such resentment for those people. The Beatles were kicked literally out of town. They nursed their bruised egos on a short stop in New Delhi and then returned home to London. After a relaxing few days in New Delhi, the group arrived at London Airport on July 8th. world's most famous four are back in England. It was early morning and the fans were in force at London Airport. The Beatles offended some folks at Manila, but it was only by accident that they didn't attend an official lunch. It was so early and the fans had to dress so quickly, it wasn't until now that they could pick their socks up. some of the fans have broken off diplomatic relations. Brief press meeting followed. John, what exactly happened at Manila Airport? I mean, did somebody, did, did they come up and start physically threatening you? Yeah, well, we, we got, no, go on, you say We got that. to the airport and our road managers had a lot of trouble trying to get the equipment in because the escalators had been turned off. Thing. So we got there and we got turned, uh, put into the transit lounge. And then we got pushed around from one corner of the lounge to, to another, you know. You treat like ordinary passenger, ordinary yeah. passenger, they're saying. Is an ordinary passenger? He doesn't get kicked, does he? <laughs> and so they started knocking over our road managers and things, and everyone was falling all over they the place. They started worrying you when the road manager got knocked over. Yeah, and I swear there was 30 of them. What do you say there were? Well, I saw five in sort of outfits, you know, that were sort of doing it, the actual kicking and, and booing and shouting. Did you get kicked in no, I was very delicate and moved every time they touched me. <laughs> but I thought I was petrified. I, don't, I could have been kicked and not known it. I just know I was getting booed. If you're going to have these battles, you yes, know. Well, yeah, it just yeah. never go to any nut houses again. Would you go to Manila again, George? Oh, no, I didn't even want to go that time. Me <laughs> too. Yeah, because we'd heard that it was a terrible place anyway. And when we got there, it was proved. You know, it's very sort of cowardly anyway of them. Because they were obviously, you know, trying to make it rough for us knew we couldn't do anything back because all the papers had sort of turned against us so you know if they'd have started something it would have been all the filipinos there against us probably and we couldn't even say anything on the way to the plane like the press was saying some of them that hadn't quite seen it with radios you know they'd been waiting at the other end so, well what was it like there's a bit of booing going on with it but never you know yeah. will he be back and yeah. i was dying to say God. apart from the philippines did you enjoy the trip yeah, yeah. It, was, it was you know great cool, what did you one morning in fact yeah, Japan is fantastic, very nice. And great. Delhi was great. Yeah, great people in Japan. Mm. You know, just nearly everybody we I met. Was they was no, the, 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 the wall. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Would you play the Philippines again? Don't even land there. No planes are going to go through there. Neon. Don't even fly over it. was now back at home in London for a brief rest. Cynthia Lennon recalls John's mood. He was incredibly happy to see us, and we had a loving reunion. But preparations began almost immediately for the final U.S. tour in August. If I needed someone to In July, Prime Minister Harold Wilson, who came from Liverpool and was always a big Beatles fan, reopens the Cavern Club for business. The Beatles are not in attendance, but send a telegram. At the end of July, the world's penchant for misunderstanding the Beatles continues. 
On the 29th of July, Datebook magazine in the USA republished out of context a part of the interview John had done with the Evening Standard, in which he said the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Two days later, radio stations in the southern states banned all Beatles music and organized huge bonfires of their records. Cynthia Lennon remembers. A few months earlier, John had given a long interview to Maureen Cleave, a journalist for the London Evening Standard. When the interview was published in March, there was no fuss. But at the end of July, America's Databook magazine republished it. His comment that the Beatles were more popular than Christ was picked up by the American media, and all hell broke loose. Within days, Beatles music was being banned on radio stations across the States. Commentators were expressing outrage, and America's Bible Belt was up in arms. From the States, the outrage spread around the world. John received hate mail by the sackload, although he also had plenty of letters agreeing with him or offering support. We'd divide the letters into for and against piles each day, and he'd ask me which was bigger. He was bemused and shaken, unable to understand why so many people thought what he'd said was so important. The psychic's warnings were almost worse. We received dire predictions of plane crashes and other horrendous happenings, but only one made a real impact on John. Unlike the others, it wasn't hostile or angry that John would be shot while he was in the States. When he left on the tour, he was frightened and downcast. He had never meant to provoke so much anger and hatred for stating what he saw as the truth. I was frightened too, and if I could have stopped him going, I would have. We parted wondering whether it was our last goodbye and clung tearfully to each other. Coming up in a moment... The Beatles release a new album... Can you disclose any secrets about this LP? Have you introduced any unusual instruments this time? Uh, no, no, we no. can't use a sitar because everybody's using it. Yes, we can. No, I've played sitar on another track, but, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't care if everybody's using them. You know, I just play because I like it. What about the songs on this one that aren't your own compositions, John? Who's have you picked There aren't time? any. None at all this time? That's um, why it's taking so long as well. Because you haven't written them yet. Well, Paul's always in Ireland, I'm in America. And more trouble arises when the group lands in America for the final leg of their 1966 world tour. He was more frightened, uh, really scared, stiff that night than I've ever seen him. Come on, Charlie. <laughs> Come on, Charlie. Let's we go. go. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. And I'm James Kaminsky. And we are the co-hosts of the Third Men Podcast. We are a Jack White history podcast where we go over the White Stripes, Third Man Records, the list goes on. And occasionally, we do a funny voice or two. So you're going to probably want to get used to that. Or turn it off. Whatever your preference. Or whatever turns you on. (laughs) Hey now, you're an all-star, because occasionally... 
We'll do an all-star. We did do an entire Smash Mouth episode once. That is true. (laughs) We are every other week on Wednesdays, and we are available on iTunes and really wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so why don't you come on and find yourself a little home here with us? We promise we'll be weird roommates. If I want to do the dishes without my pants on, that's my deal. That was weird. See? We weren't (laughs) even lying.